I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about love and compassion. I think that uh, also you probably have some things to say about it because quite a few people talked about compassion. Love is the natural expression of an awakened mind. When we are awake, we're seeing the interconnection. The interconnection of all of life. So normally, in our kind of normal deluded states of mind, we somehow see that, you know, there's an I, there's a self, and everything else is the environment. So the other people, we kind of, there's the subject and the object, and the object is everything else, uh, objects. And as we wake up more and more, and, you know, it's it's a gradual process, we more and more see how interconnected we are, how um, life flows through us, amongst us, out from us, um, and, uh, and connects with others, and that the whole construct of self and other, or subject-object, begins to break down, become very, uh, not disappear, because we always have that relative understanding of, well, this is the body-mind that, you know, I'm living in, and I see through these eyes, and I eat with this mouth, and so on, and, uh, and I'm living my life out of my experiences. But, but more and more we see how really um, we're... We're so uh, connected, and 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 so many of our experiences are universal. They may have different flavors. They may be perceived in different ways. Um, we talked about the universality of loss um, this morning, uh, and. And at our core, at our base, this simple capacity to be aware, to know, to have the clarity of knowing our experience as we experience it. Is that something that's personal? Yes, we, we perceive things in personal ways, like, you might like somebody's hat, and I might not like somebody's hat. Uh, but um, that's perception. But the simple awareness at the base of that, that which perceives, that which knows the perception, that which can be aware of the perception, there's no color or language or, or um, gender or 
or any qualifying um, characteristic to that. It's it's simply clear, open, and present, and it's always been there. Um, and it's it's universal. It's it flows. It's at the base of all of us. So, so in so many ways, um, we are not separate, and um, and we can feel more and more this this profound level of interconnection in our lives. We will notice that that which uh, drives us to feel separate are are also the same sources of suffering. So that which drives us to feel separate, like greed and anger and, and envy and aggression and judgment, all of these things also drive us to feel separate. And, um, and so more and more we can recognize how this creates suffering for ourselves and have compassion for ourselves in this. And, um, and this is so much a part of our meditation practice, seeing this. And then as we deepen in compassion for that, we really deepen in compassion for others. I think there's a way, uh, somebody mentioned about having more capacity to have compassion for others uh, than for um, oneself. And a lot of people say that. And, um, And it it's true that we, we may be moved by the suffering of others and, um, and at the same time we're holding so much judgment and expectation about ourselves, perfectionism perhaps, that we, um, we don't have spa- that space for compassion. But as we open, as we become less harsh with ourselves... Um, and you know I loved what um, somebody said earlier about you know asking herself you know who who is this self I'm you know what is this self that I'm I'm trying to defend you know or what is this self that I I think needs to fulfill all these expectations that's that's also a great way of uh, kind of um, turning down the harshness, turning down the intensity of of self judgment and expectations, just to say, oh, what is this I'm trying to build? You know, what is this I'm trying to create? And and when we look inside, we can't really find anything that we could say. Well, this is the self. It's it's just. Knowing and feeling and tasting and touching and thinking. There are all these processes, but, you know, there's nothing solid that we can find underneath it. 
So when we see this, when we this harshness that we that we may have, or or all the things that drive us and create suffering, we can we can awaken compassion. We can recognize. I mean, first of all, even before the compassion awakens, we can say, "Wow, this is really a lot of suffering." This is a lot of suffering that's happening. <clears throat> when I first started practice, I knew I, I had a lot of fear. I knew there was a lot of fear. Um, I was actually in a kind of a post-traumatic state. I was about 22, um, but I, I didn't know that. There was a lot of fear. But if somebody had said, are you suffering? I wouldn't have said, yes, I'm suffering. I just well, I have a lot of fear. But then when, you, when, you, when we recognize the nature of suffering, compassion awakens for ourselves. And then I think we can have so much more compassion for others because we can, we can truly empathize. Empathy is a doorway to compassion. We can... We could say, well, I imagine, you know, I can imagine what that person, we never know, of course, for sure, what somebody's feeling, but we say, maybe I can imagine, you know, how that person is feeling, and compassion arises because we, um, we have awakened it for ourselves. So it's so interesting that, that those, those forces, those energies, such as greed and, and anger and judgment and envy, which separate us, you know, which kind of reinforce that sense of, you know, I'm separate and I need this and I, you know, I, I'm kind of competing with everybody else for the, ha- the limited amount of happiness that there is in the world. That's... That's a delusion that we have, that the amount of happiness in the world is limited and we are, if somebody has more, then we must have less. So, yeah, so, so that, that changes. And that which separated us can become the bridge for compassion and connection in our lives. Does that make sense? Like when we when we open to compassion toward those energies that create suffering, it can create a bri- the bridge to connect. Here's a, a beautiful little poem by Hafiz, a 14th century Persian poet. Admit something. Everyone you see. You say to them, love me. Of course, you do not do this out loud, otherwise someone would call the cops. Why not become the one who lives with a full moon in each eye that is always saying with that sweet moon language, what every other ear in this world is dying to hear.
So compassion softens the boundaries of self. And when we cultivate compassion for others, we, we face the judgment that we're holding, right? Because, because it's, that judgment is right there. It's, it's an idea. Now, what is judgment? What's judgment of ourselves? What's judgment of others? You know, when, we, when we judge ourselves, we, you know, we're, we're looking at ourselves like an object. We're disconnecting from our heart. We're disconnecting from our inner presence. We're, we're looking at ourselves at as an object and we're giving ourselves the thumbs down. And and it's the same with others. When we when we look at others with judgment, we're objectifying them. We're we're not seeing that they too are changing, multifaceted, nuanced, evolving um, flowing beings, just as we are. And we're fixing them. We're fixing them in time and space as a certain way and judging them. So, so we face the judgments that we hold. And there's a a beautiful practice in the Tibetan tradition called exchanging self and other, in which we 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 can, you know, just imagine. Um, you know, we 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 acknowledge our our judgments and our opinions and our beliefs that we have about that person, and then, in in a way, kind of imagine ourselves into their lives, you know, and it's always, of course, we never know, we can never know, but we, we can kind of enter into a sense of their subjectivity and, and open to that. And, um, and it helps to melt the objectification and the judgment There's a story that Thich Nhat Hanh told um, about a man he knew who had a lot of anger and judgment against his father. And um, his father had been very strict with him, very uh, uh, formal and distant and um, you know, ve- very little display of affection and um, uh, very kind of demanding that he fulfill certain standards and requirements of behavior and so on. And, and he felt very wounded by that as an adult. Um, 
as his father died, and uh, he was going through his father's possessions and found a picture of his father uh, as a child. And, um, and, and he was with his father, so his grandfather. And, and he saw in, in his father's face and in his grandfather's face the same dynamics. You know, the very strict, stony, uh, demanding, unbending kind of uh, relationship. And the, and the son, you know, he could, he, he could finally empathize with his father when he saw him as a child and recognized that he had experienced much of the same that he had imposed upon him. And... Um, and it was, it was like his heart broke open. And he could feel compassion for his father for the first time and forgive him and um, accept him. And, um, and so that, uh, that connection you know, that he saw about how this was passed on through generations this, this suffering and, uh, and how he had he had created this sense of self around his father that his father was this certain kind of person and his father was this you know this solid thing which was just like that and 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 Thich Nhat Hanh used that as a as a um, a story to shine a light on the reality that what we think of as a self is made up of non-self elements. So. <clears throat> So the, um, the elements of, uh, of course, in our bodies, our bodies. Is there? Do you want to see if, I don't know, maybe it's just somebody. It looks like it's the security guard. Oh, it was the security guard? Like okay, okay, that's fine. Um, maybe his, maybe his, you know, when we think of the body, of course, the body, one of the Buddhist practices in contemplating the body is to recognize that the body is made up of water and, and, um, and, uh, and heat and, uh, and air and, and then breaking it down into different kinds of elements and using our current contemporary science, we can break it up into molecules and different kinds of you know, chemical elements and and then also there are the elements of our conditioning, you know, of, of uh, you know, excessive discipline or, or love uh, or um, abundance or poverty or, uh, uh, or health, good health or bad health. So, so all of these elements... And there are countless elements that combine 
in, in our lives, in our evolving lives, to make up who we are and how we manifest. And, and so, um, so when we can see that, uh, it all opens us up to compassion because we recognize that all of these, that these conditions, you know, come into our lives and form us, form who we are, form how we respond. And, um, and so really, what, the way I think of compassion is that essentially when we open our hearts in this way, we experience love, that loving awareness, that, that interconnection, that recognition that we're not you know, separate uh, from each other. And that when we recognize that there's pain in the one we love, our heart opens in compassion. So compassion is love in the face of pain and a commitment to not turn away, to not say, uh, I don't want to open to this pain. I don't want to be present with this pain. It, it makes me uncomfortable to be aware of this pain, so I'm going to turn away. So compassion is saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay present. I'm going to stay open. Um, and I'm going to, uh, not, not, not that I can fix, you know, the pain, but that I care about it. I care about it. And, and how that care manifests might be, you know, in many, many, many different ways. So, um... And I'll just say one more quick thing about compassion. That compassion is balanced with wisdom and equanimity. So, so the heart that opens in compassion, it's said that it quivers in resonance with the suffering of another. And yet at the same time, we know that we can't fix everybody's pain and suffering. Um, And so there's that sense of wisdom and equanimity, balance, that um, we can be with the suffering and we can have compassion for the suffering. And at the same time, we don't need to feel that you know, we, we always need to jump in and try to save somebody because it's just not possible. And, and if you've ever, and I'm sure each one of us has, gone through difficulty, we don't, necess- we don't usually want to be saved, actually. We want to find our own resilience, and, um, and we, we really... We really uh, need the compassion of others. We need the compassionate support of others. And at the same time, 
we know that nobody can fix it for us, right? So, so anyway, I'd, I'd like, I, th- I think that a lot of you talked about compassion as something that was really uh, important to you and brought you uh, here. So either from something I've said or, or from your own experience, um, what would you like to say about compassion? Continuation. Just when you were speaking, it, it, I just kind of realized something about what I was saying before. When very difficult parts come up, or difficult habits of mind. I think, although I'm pretty good at being with it, I think the, I think the being with it is like an obligation, not a compassionate being with it. I think that's a huge difference. I think if you bring compassion to those habits of mind even, it like releases them. I don't think I've done that. I'm always, I'm sort of being with them, but stoically, like not, like you have to be with them because that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be with those unpleasant sensations. And I'm very good at feeling it and being with it, but there's no, there hasn't been compassion in Mm -hmm. that. And that is something that could change, change it very much, I think. So thanks. That's a great insight. Yeah, thanks. I'm sharing pain with someone else. We're both experiencing pain. And um, it makes it very um, much more loving to um, to have compassion for his pain, the pain he's experiencing, not trying to connect both and see. so it was very enlightening for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, uh, not putting myself in the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Because sometimes when you share pain with someone, it's, it becomes about you. Right. Uh, right. It's uh, tricky. Yeah. But uh, to, to let this there and feel compassion for this very selflessly, we can say. Right. Right. It's very yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is a way in which um, we can just uh, open our heart in, 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 with a quality of selfless service, you know, to be there for another. And at the, at the same time, if it does evoke things in you, then I think it's important that we... Um, also give space to that, not to d- deny it. Maybe recognizing that they're not the same thing is helpful. Um, but, uh, um, yeah. So maybe there's a time, like a way in which you can give space to, if it is kind of touching something tender, in, in you, uh, that it also, that also can, you can allow that to have its voice. Mm-hmm. Just then, sometimes one event can bring pain or suffering, and then people live them differently, so yeah. they're not obligated to look at it with the same approach. Right, right. It's very um, opening from this instead of uh, this as a big thing right, right, right. Yeah, 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 that's right. 
Yeah, yeah, that's very helpful. If you're a very compassionate person in giving, how do you protect yourself against those that are not? That, you know, because that can, it, it gets to you, drains you, it eats at you. Um, and they can't reciprocate, you just let it go. And I want the protection points, you know, it exists. Yeah, so the, the question, I don't know if everybody heard, everybody here? Um, if, if you find that a lot of, you, you're, you feel compassion a lot of the time, and, uh, you know, and, and others are not, you know, how do you protect yourself from uh, people who have, I guess, an uncompassionate or judgmental or, a, you know, a more aggressive um, reaction to a situation or you can always be forgiving forgiving but at, at some point you, you can't say like is it them or is it me or like yeah <clears throat> well it's um a couple of things are are, are coming to mind um i guess one thing is that yeah, it's it's it it isn't it isn't me, it isn't you in in that sense in which, you know, we see ourselves as uh as individuals and sometimes it's important to see ourselves, you know, in distinction. Um I mean each one of us has the capacity for a- any mind state and any reaction but you know it's it's not what you've cultivated for all kinds of reasons um and uh so those the anger the judgment and so on that you're finding you know you said eats at you it's it's, it's not what you've cultivated but it's a capacity that we all have within us. Um, And I think it's just, I mean, my experience, maybe other people have some thoughts about this, but not to take it personally. It's it's not about me. It's, uh, so, so I, you know, I don't, I don't need to take it personally. Um, if somebody's doing harm to somebody else, you know, speaking harshly to them, then I have a decision about whether I should intervene or, or not intervene. But, um, but their attitudes, you know, are not a. I shouldn't. I don't need to take them personally. Um, there's a story that the Buddha taught, uh, gave once. Um, uh, it was to this, uh, there was another teacher uh, of another, the whole other, um, there were so, so many, still are in India, uh, all these different spiritual traditions and practices and so on. And, and so this, uh, this teacher from a particular tradition came and he, 
And he, he kind of laced into the Buddha, you know, and said he was very angry with him and accusing and saying he was all wrong and, and um, uh, you know, and you know, what he was teaching with a lot of rubbish and that kind of thing. They were just really nasty. And, um, and so then when he was finished, you know, the Buddha just was silent. And... Um, he said, well, don't you have anything to say? You know, and, said, and the Buddha said, no. Um, you said what you wanted to say. Um, and I leave it there. He said, when, when, when your students come and bring you offerings and you, uh, for your meal, and you've already had your meal, do you take it or do you, or do you leave it? And he said, I leave it. He said, it's like that. <laughs> you brought it, I'm leaving it. I said just at the end that, you know, we balance compassion with equanimity um, and, and wisdom. So, you know, and, and I think that that is really important. That, um, and, and, and compassion, in the teaching on compassion, it, it's, um, it's, it says that we can fall into something that looks like compassion but it's really not, and it's pity, you know, and it's, some, it's like, oh, you poor thing, you know, I need to save you, uh, and, and so, and that can be overwhelming, because how am I going to do that? And, and, and I have to do more and more and more and more. So, so compassion is... Um, you know, needs to be held in balance with, with wisdom and equanimity, that we know that we're not in control of this person's life, of this situation, that we can, we can hold the, the being or the whole set of conditions in compassion. We can perhaps respond... Um, I, I've personally found in the last few weeks when I've been going, um, I've experienced uh, someone close to me died and, uh, you know, very suddenly and unexpectedly. And, um, and people have just, 
you know, emailed me or sent a card, and uh, and I and just you know, I'm thinking of you. I'm hold, you know, uh, I'm holding you in compassion, holding you in the light, holding your family, and uh, it's it does remind us that we're connected. You know, I think so. I think just even we don't think it matters. Like we 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 might think. You know, oh, or I don't want to bother them. I don't want to bother them with my my uh, feeling, with my expression, my card or my email or my phone call or whatever it is. But um, I think I think it reminds those who are suffering that we are held in a web of interconnectedness and um, and love. And and so it it really is uh, just being there, just saying I care. I'm holding you in my heart is a lot. Can be a lot. Other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it me it's you know it's easy for me to say. Uh, to I don't think, uh, I don't experience myself as a very, very compassionate person. And it's something, how, how do you do it? I mean, it's one thing, you know, I've got two kids, you know, they're close to me emotionally. I think I feel compassionate. But, you know, people I don't know very well. I walk the streets in Montreal, I see a lot of people begging. I don't think I am afraid. I don't feel very compassionate when I pass them. I pass them and then they go on in my mind. At the same time, I'm not really sure, you know, maybe English is not my first language, so the word compassion, I'm I'm not really sure I exactly understand what you're supposed to feel. You know, feel. What does it mean? Maybe I am, I've just misunderstood the word, but like, I find it's not, yeah, I don't know, how how do you open your heart like like that? Not very easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it begins by opening our hearts to ourselves. You know, when we, I think we deepen in compassion um, by opening to our own suffering, first of all. Um, And opening to the suffering of those who are close to you. And compassion is a response to suffering, to pain and suffering. So, so I think our children are our teachers in that way, you know. Like, like I, I learned, you know, how to love. First of all, from my kids, I learned how to. I learned what is what is it to love without a self agenda, but just to love this being, and want them to thrive, you know, and and be happy. Uh, so, and then. And also compassion to to uh, have compassion, you know. F- and it's not just people who have children, but you know, uh, f- have their own children. But I think children evoke that in us. So it could be a, a niece or a nephew, or a or a um, a neighbor's child, or you know, some some child in your family. That because uh, not everybody has their own children. Um, 
and and then reminding ourselves you know that uh, that this human being um, is not so different from us so when we ha- can have compassion for ourselves we can have compassion for people that we feel close to and then is this person who's lying on the street or who um, you know you see at the grocery store or or anybody your neighbor are they really so different from you um, and it's 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 not always that we feel something emotionally like compassion doesn't always it's not always a feeling um, and and when we do compassion practice you know we shouldn't think that well, if I don't feel like my heart bleeding, you know, with compassion, that I'm not compassionate. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's I mean, bleeding. yeah, well, sometimes, sometimes compassion can just be a sense of caring, you know, I care about the suffering of this person. Like, it's not, he's not just an object to me. I do care about the suffering. Um, I'm... I'm sorry that he's, he's experiencing this misfortune in his life, that he's sleeping on the street, you know. And then, you know, it might be just be like that, you know, and then you're gone, and you're not holding that. You're not, you know, uh, thinking over and over again, you know. But, but you're not indifferent to it. So uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to feel a certain way. But sometimes it feels it becomes too like an intellectual practice. I reflect on these things, but it stays like in the mind, and I reflect intellectually on it. You know, we're no it's it, there are so many different approaches. The Buddha said that there are eighty-four thousand kinds of minds. So there are so many different approaches to practice, and some people practice more intellectually, and, um, and some people practice more from the heart. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that um, there are a lot of women who are doing the practice, and I think in general, I don't want to totally, gen- you know, make any kind of stark distinction, but... But um, uh, men do tend to approach uh, practice more with from the realm of of ideas and the teachings and and the intellect, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's a really valid way, and that's um, a very very good way to bring take in the teachings and understand them and work with them. Um, you know, it it needs it needs to transform our whole being. So, you know, if we're taking it in emotionally, you know, uh, like if we're taking it in more from the heart, it needs to also transform our thinking. Um, so, so there's there's a whole there's a a balancing and a kind of a. A thorough transformation that 
we all, but we all go in different, there, there are many different Dharma doors. And, and so we need to just be with what our own process is. It's our process. Uh, um, disempowered. Uh, uh, disempowered, yeah. It's the balance. It's the balance of equanimity and wisdom to, to bring into your reflection of that, that, you know, that this, you know, if it's a, if it's a person, um, that this person has their own life, their own choices, their own experiences, and that you're not in control of what they choose and how they, and how they uh, respond. You can, only, you can only give them your support. Um, if it's a situation like a place of war where there's war or, you know, uh, you know we, we can feel compassion and we know it's not in our control to change that. So it's really trying to bring that balance in, um, recognizing that we're not, it's not in our control. Um, we can, you know, we, we, we're, all, we're limited. And, um, and that, you know, when you talk about you feel so disempowered, that's the falling into unbalance, the pity like I've got to fix this. I've got to save it, and that's 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 considered in the practice. So uh, to be, you know, kind of uh, going off off track. <laughs> so so that's then. So the practice would be to notice. Oh, I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling like I'm drowning. I'm feeling overwhelmed. You know. So. Let me be with this feeling of being overwhelmed and recognize what this is and feel it and, and then bring in more awareness, bring in you know, the wisdom of recognizing what our limitations are. Harriet. I find it's very easy for me to be compassionate feels really 
insincere, and then I want to flip into a more psychological than Buddhist uh, way and go, well, why would I be feeling this way, and where does this come from, and what in my childhood or where has made all this happen? And it's like a cycle that I can't stop. There's the this group here and the that group there, and I'm just full of judgment about it. So how does that judgment feel? It feels lousy. I want to be more kind and more loving and more empathetic. And I feel I'm just full of judgment. I don't like the feeling at all and I don't know what to do with it. Have compassion for your judgment. So, so because the judgment, the judgment is, is, is painful. It is painful. Uh, it's not that you necessarily, you know, I, I think you're jumping ahead of yourself. You know, I think that, first of all, because you're aspiring to be compassionate, but, but there's this judgment which feels very kind of solid. It feels that way. And, and so it's like, oh, there's judgment. And, you know... It's painful. Um, it's not only painful because you might aspire to be something. I think judgment is painful in itself. Um, because it's a kind of a rejection. So I, I would just suggest that you give your attention to the judgment and not what you should be, but what, what's there. And Just awareness of the judgment, not trying to figure out where it came from. No, that's right. Where, how do you hold it? And with compassion for yourself. Um, and, and uh, yeah, not analyzing it, but just as an experience. Judgment as an experience. What is that? Is it a contraction in the heart? Does it feel wooden? Does it feel hot, cold, whatever. <clears throat> Just do. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so forgiveness is, um, is a kind of letting go. Forgiveness is a letting go of the anger. And, uh, and it's a kind of acceptance. Forgiveness, we, we forgive for ourselves to let go of the resentment and anger that we're holding. We forgive. Uh, and then that, can, that might move to something else, but it might not. You know, like if somebody's traumatized us, it might be that we just, you know, we just need to let go of the anger, we're not going to have compassion for them or reconcile with them, you know, necessarily. Um, I mean, we could be open to that possibility, but it might not happen. Or maybe they've died. But forgiveness is huge. It's, we could do a whole day on forgiveness. So... So what I'd like 
to do now. Does anybody have any burning comment that you want to make? Um. <laughs> oh, is it a, a story or a question or? Okay. Yeah, let's move on because thank you, and, and I will connect with you after. I just we've it's a lot of um, kind of reflection that we've done. I'd like to just take about 15 minutes to walk outside and um, and just walking and you don't need to walk in any way with um, uh, uh, a, a vipassana or a, um, a body awareness but but more a heart awareness so so as you walk outside and you look at the life around you, it could be people, it could be birds or squirrels, to open to the pain and suffering of what it means to be alive and allow the heart to just make a compassionate connection. So you don't know what you know, some man or woman or is feeling as they walk by or um, any being. Uh, but we do know that in life there is loss, in life there is disappointment, in life there is aging, in life there's illness, in life there's death. Uh, and so, so just this being human is, um, is a context in which we all experience pain and suffering. And, and so just even that, you know, thinking of that there's loss, there's disappointment, there's there's um, aging and illness and death for everyone uh, can can open the heart and so just just walking outside and opening to life around you and being aware of that context of that dimension of uh, of suffering and and opening the heart in response so so let's, if everybody just stays more or less in front, um, then um, I'll just ring the bell and, uh, in 15 minutes.